0: What's up, everyone? Hope y'all had a good weekend. Welcome to the Roto Grinders NBA Morning Grind. I'm your host, Justin Carlucci. I'm here with the chief, Will Priester. Will, man, good to see you again. How was your weekend?
1: Well, my, my weekend was pretty good, man. I, I, I got real close in baseball on uh, on FanDuel this weekend, man. One swap uh, could have been a, a 45K swing. Uh came in, I think it was fourth in the, in the big tournament on Saturday. Uh, but, hey, you know, listen, profit is profit. I, I don't ever complain. But um, uh, could, could have been a huge weekend. But uh, I'm I'm glad to be here, man. Uh, definitely enjoying uh, doing a pod with you. I didn't hit you with this one pre-show. I, I I wanted to get your live response. I think our GPP food of the day may be subs, man. We might have to talk about, about our favorite sub location. You can have some time to uh, ponder on that as, as we go through the show, especially Dude, since in. I got – so especially since I picked up a really good chicken Philly today. Uh, so that's what kind of got me thinking about it. So be thinking
0: about that GPP sub of the day. GPP, the dark horse. I like it. You know, we talked about wings on our last pod, and we yes. had an, an overwhelming response that I did not think in a million years in, uh, in our Discord chat that people would be all about. I even had someone on Twitter was like, yo, man, good pod. I was digging the food talk. I'm like, cool, what would you think about our analysis? I was like, just kidding, but, like, everybody loves food. so. I'm in, man. We can, we can always put a couple minutes aside to talk some food. So, you know, I'm like an hour north of Philly, man. So, you know, I got to hit the people with the cheesesteaks because, you know, a lot of people are passionate about that up in here.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. I um, and I've had a, a good cheesesteak. This one, I won't tell you where I got it from right now. I'll hit it at the end. But um, And it's not my favorite, like, commercial sub place. I do have a favorite commercial sub place. But I did want to get this this chicken Philly, so I had to go to a specific place okay. to get it. Uh, spoiler alert, it's definitely not Subway.
0: I was going to say, if it's Subway, <laughs> I am gonna to end, end the recording real quick. But nah, man, that's cool. We'll talk subs at the end for sure. Long weekend. It's been a crazy couple of nights in the NBA. We've had a lot of good calls. We've had some landmines as well. It's been pretty volatile. You know, what was it, the first night all of the – was it the first night all the unders crushed and the second night all the overs crushed in terms – like Vegas doesn't know what's going on either right now.
1: Yeah, and the other thing about it too, man. So yesterday, not today, but yesterday, there were just so many blowouts on the front end of the slate. I mean, I, I think the first three games ended up being blowouts. And, I mean, I think that just crushed the field immediately. So, you know, if you were thinking – deep tournament. And here's the thing. I usually think like this anyway, you know, I talk about the fact that as, as younger players, as you evolve, you understand that I don't have to have myself front loaded on the slate. I can spread my players out throughout the night. And, um, you know, but younger players, in my opinion, want instant gratification and they want to see those earnings at the beginning. You know, they want to see that they're up there at the top, you know, before they go to sleep at night. And if if you take the approach of stacking some of the late games or, or, you know, picking a lot of players from some of the late games yesterday, it paid off tremendous dividends as none of those, the later games didn't blow out, but like the first three early ones did.
0: You know, that's funny. You say that I'm all about the late push. I love the late push, almost like a little narrative. I love the late push getting those points late Uh, in June one of my most recent successful nights, I took down a big $15 MMA GPP and I had the nuts with three fights left. And I couldn't tell you how many Sam Adams Porsche rockers I had from like 9 PM to like one. I, you know, you have three fights. That's a lot in MMA. It's like a third of the card. Usually I didn't think I'd hold, but NBA is kind of the same way. If I'm, if I'm seeing a lot of green at like nine o'clock and there's two late games, I'm like, I hate seeing it go down. I'd rather see it go up, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: But, yeah, it's been a crazy couple of nights. Let's uh, – before we get into tomorrow's slate, why don't we kind of just talk about some observations that we've seen over the weekend, maybe some good calls we had, maybe some mistakes we made, maybe some bad calls. Uh, I've definitely been involved in all of the above. It's hard to nail everything right now. But, you know, going back to Friday and Saturday – I mean, yesterday was pretty crazy – uh, for me, I don't know if we want to jump out of order here, but I was like all about Joel Embiid. He was my hot take. And, you know, you have to take stands when we, when you play multi-enter GPPs. And I know you can touch on that then because you do a lot of multi-entering. Um, as do I. Sometimes I play, try to play a little more higher stakes, optimal stuff like I did tonight. and I'm really wishing I didn't. But I was all about Joel Embiid. I did some research on Miles Turner and his foul history with Embiid. Although miles was going to get a usage bump with all of the personnel that was out for, for the Pacers, which looked good. I just knew he, in my opinion, I didn't know, but my, uh, my educated research showed that I, you know, you have to take some stands and I'm like, you know what, I'm locking in Embiid and it worked out really well for me. I mean, I played a couple high stakes lines, like five or six, and I had Embiid in all of them and every one of them. So Stupid me, my brain just couldn't finish this correlation. And you got to kind of work, it's kind of about figuring out and uh, picking out some scenarios. You have to predict things that are going to happen. And obviously, it's not that easy. But if I thought Miles Turner was going to stink or only play 20 minutes because he'd be in foul trouble, the last five games against Embiid, he picked up at least four fouls in all of them and he shot like 25% from the floor. And I thought that's some decent, that's a decent sample size. It was all fairly recent. Stupid me. I didn't play TJ Warren at any of my lines. There's no Brogdon. Oladipo's hurt. Um, Sabonis not there. Who's a big usage guy. Probably the biggest usage guy on the team now uh, and, and Goga's my, out and Goga's out. Miles Turner, next one up to suck up the usage. If he stinks, TJ Warren, one of the best players ever played NC state. And you know that from the Carolinas. Okay. Would I thought he'd go for fifty real points? No, no, I definitely would not have. But for to not have any exposure to TJ Warren, if you're hating, you know, Miles Turner was just an error on my part. So I didn't make a lot of money, even though I'd envied absolutely everywhere. And I know you can touch about, you know, that's kind of how it works on these little slates. But you know, I just want to make a point that if you're going to go with one scenario and kind of uh, make some stands on that, think it all the way through because if you don't like one guy. Odds are the reason you don't like that guy. It probably affects one of his teammates in one way or the other.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, and and and, and that was the right call to to you know to to go with the beat. Obviously, you know, for me, I was on the other side of the coin. You know, I felt like because of the bodies that were missing, I, I felt like Miles Turner was still going to have a, a really big night. Uh, obviously, that did not materialize as he probably had one of the worst nights of his fantasy career and I was okay with that Uh and I didn't lock him in obviously I, I didn't hit the mouse turn lock button so that's another reason I was okay with it but uh, overall he, he had a rough night and that was that was one of the probably the the terrible calls that I made over the weekend Uh you know also over the weekend though we we made some really good calls especially for that Friday slate, uh, you know, Brandon Clark was was a good call. Co- and, and, and the other thing about it, too, was on Friday, people were just underpriced. So it was really easy to pick out the value and kind of lock some guys in. As we progress to today's slate and kind of go through that, and I know we'll go through it in a, in a few minutes, uh, it's not going to be as easy. And so I'm actually really excited about this slate. I did think about taking the day off, and I told you that. I thought about it. But I want to – I think I actually want to hop in this slate because I feel like most players are priced efficiently now. And so now is where the experience is going to come in here. Here is where it gets, it gets tricky outside of the Indiana situation where I think Aaron holiday is still too cheap. And I think he may end up being the chalk guy, especially if, uh, if Brogdon sits, but other than that, they priced up TJ Warren. Uh, you know, they priced up uh, the Memphis guys now. So you can't, you know, uh triple J is no longer a free square. In, in one of the best in one of the best game environments so now we have to make tougher decisions in our, in our MME bills and single entry bills so I, i'm really excited about this slate i don't think i'm going to take this one off maybe i'll take the next day off but this <laughs> uh, one I want, I want i want to get on this one and, and and get some efficient pricing and see what i can do with it because i do feel like i'm locked in right now
0: that's what they all say. I'll take a day off tomorrow. Then suddenly you have 10 minutes of extra time to research, then you have 20, and then you have two hours, and you're down a rabbit hole. I feel you, man. But yay, yeah, dude, like the Wizards prices are up. You know, everybody, FanDuel is being aggressive with their pricing. And I feel like, like I jokingly said, I, maybe not, though. I feel like both of these sites have different people doing their algorithms once in a while because I feel like sometimes DraftKings is aggressive with their pricing and FanDuel's not, and vice versa. Like today, DraftKings, uh, Lonnie Walker was still 3500 Zach Collins was like 30, what, 33, 35, something like that. And, and both of them didn't play well, but they were in smash spots again, just you know, just the way it happened. So um, DraftKings kind of not as aggressive as FanDuel uh, just yet. Uh, yeah, over the weekend, we had some good and some bad calls for sure. I was wrong about Shabazz Napier on Friday for sure. I will own that. They decided to give 32-year-old Ish Smith more run than him? I, it is what it is. At least we got that out of the way early. (laughs) So um, I'm okay with not playing Shabazz unless something else significant happened. We dealt with the Nuggets injuries over the weekend too. And FanDuel has blessed us with like a 12-hour basketball slate tomorrow because they're including the early game. That Nuggets game's at 4 o'clock. Mike Malone is one of my least favorite coaches to deal with in terms of news. So that might even throw a wrench in what you're going to play tomorrow if you're someone who plays both sides and you don't want to deal with a game starting at one o'clock where you might have some exposure in and on DraftKings, the main slate does not start until four. You will probably most likely get some nuggets news at least. So just keep that in mind as you wake up and have your cup of coffee today.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think this nuggets news is, it could be a huge one for this slate because if Murray's out, uh, I think I'm going to have to go back to the well on some of these nuggets guys. I know they got blown out the other day, but, uh, nobody's actually at home anymore. Everyone's in the same bubble. So, uh, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that once we, once we hit that that particular game.
0: For sure, man. For sure. But, yeah, we, we could jump into it if you want. I know it's real late now. we still got a couple of games going on. It's actually halftime of the Rockets game. Rockets up by eight. Interesting. I know by tomorrow that'll be stale news, but I'm just trying to keep things relevant. <laughs> um, yeah. So, obviously, we could talk about that real quick before we jump in. How about that Rockets Mavericks game that was basically two games worth of scoring in one over the weekend and I did not have enough exposure to that poor Zingas man finally someone with the right skill set took advantage of that PJ Tucker matchup and he did whatever he wanted
1: yeah man for sure and you know kind of the same here I I didn't have I had a lot but I didn't have enough. Uh, I, I'd already locked in Giannis. And, and, and locking in Giannis on FanDuel, folks, is probably going to be a theme because him and LeBron aren't playing on the same date. Well, they're playing on the same days. Uh, let me see. Yeah, him and LeBron aren't really playing on the same days right now. So locking in Giannis is going to probably be a theme on uh, FanDuel. But getting back to that game, I had exposure to Harden. I um, had, had, had tons of exposure to Westbrook. Tons. But you know when Harden drops to eighty spot, that's going to be very hard to overcome unless you're matching the field or or above the field. And I was slightly under the field on that, and you know I watched my earnings you know trickle down uh, as the as the night progressed. But uh, once again, man, like you said, crazy good game. Uh, if you had Porzingis and Harden, you know you were sitting pretty.
0: And you know what, it's been. So competitive across the league. I have not seen any difference in level of competition. Nobody has started easing up on players' minutes just yet. I don't want to jinx anything for tomorrow. But I know some people are like, well, maybe the Lakers will take the foot off the gas or something like that. Or maybe the Raptors will. Because I think I think as of yesterday or going into today, they're like one game away from clinching. Or the no, Milwaukee's one game away from clinching with a Raptors loss, I think, the number one seed. So we might eventually, towards the end of the week, we might see some unexpected lack of minutes on some guys on certain teams that maybe we're all not projecting across the industry if we don't see uh, the exact news we're looking for. So just something to keep in mind. I don't think we're going to see it tomorrow. But speaking of tomorrow, let's just jump into tomorrow. And I guess we'll start with – I guess we'll just start with – we'll go chronologically here. We'll start at the 1 o'clock game. Once again, thank you for listening to the Morning Grind. I'm Justin Carlucci here with the Chief Will Priester. If you're not signed up at Roto Grinders, you're missing some state-of-the-art tools over there. Lineup HQ, best optimizer in the industry. You can take that to the bank for sure. Tons of expert analysis. We got a lot of podcasts, many different sports, MLB, whatever toots your horn, man. We got great NASCAR stuff with Stevie. Stevie is so good and so knowledgeable in NASCAR. And MLB is in full swing, like you said, Will. I know you dabble in MLB, too. And our NBA team, man, we are on it. I'm loving what we got going on right now. We're going to end this season with a bang. So, that being said, let's jump into the early game tomorrow. Toronto and Miami. I guess just what's your initial thought on that game just in general, Will?
1: Well, uh, it is on the FanDuel slate. So, you know, you guys are – I don't want to say lucky, but, you know, I'm primarily a FanDuel player, primarily. So – I don't think I'm going to have a whole lot of exposure to this game. And, and and let me tell you why. I think I just feel like there are other guys that I want to play a little bit more. Now, let me give you a little bit of tournament strategy here. Tournament strategy to me says this is the game to target because I feel like it's going to be extremely competitive. I don't feel like it's going to be a blowout. Uh, I feel like, you know, there are some pieces you can play and I'm not saying stack the whole game. I'm saying, you know, maybe if you play Jimmy Butler, Siakam, and Lowry or something like that, you can kind of end up with this mid-range build versus, you know, some of the other things. Now, do I think, you know, Memphis, New Orleans is probably where you want to go? Absolutely. Or Indiana, Washington, which I'll talk about uh, as we get to it. But I do think this game is a good way uh, to kind of get off some of the chalk. You got to think, a guy like Pascal Siakam, who can get you 40-plus easily, is probably going to be very low owned in this slate. Kyle Kyle Lowry erupted against the Lakers. Uh, you got to think he's going to be very low owned in this slate on FanDuel at eighty three hundred. So I just don't see these guys getting ownership with these price increases. And I think for that reason, uh, that would be a reason to kind of get some of these guys in your lineups.
0: Yeah, and Siakam didn't even hit a third of his shots, and he provided some pretty nice value because he filled up the stat sheet against a pretty tough Lakers team to deal with. So I was impressed. I'm super impressed uh, with what I've seen and what I've been hearing out of Kyle Lowry. We know he looked good in some of the scrimmages and he balled out. Like you said, that Miami matchup on paper, you're looking at, it, you're like, well, that'll be slow. Miami's pretty good defensively. I'm sure he'll pick up Jimmy Butler on some switches, whether he likes it or not. But Lowry has been pretty good so far. And that's kind of screaming GPP for me. A a guy to maybe look at. Obviously, I'm not in love with it, but if I'm multi-entering, I'll definitely have some shares. OG hit eight of nine shots. Nothing I like to bank on from night to night, but I'm looking at anybody that's kind of reasonably considered a a salary saver. OG man, for what is he? Forty six hundred played thirty three minutes. I think against the Lakers. So just out of sheer minutes volume alone, I think OG is someone that'll be in my player pool if I'm kind of thinking about one person in this game that I like maybe more than the rest right now.
1: Yeah. And and, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, you look, Fred Van Vliet played 40 minutes. Uh, You know, Lowry played big minutes. Like this is the stuff we're looking for. Lowry played 35 minutes. This is what we're looking for when we, when we, when we want to, you know, take players in, you know, a high leverage situation like this first game. So usually on these slates, what we've been seeing is a lot of the earlier games have been getting a lot more ownership. On this particular slate, the middle of the day is going to get all the ownership. So at the front end, I don't think you'll see a whole lot of Toronto-Miami. I don't think you'll see a whole lot from the Lakers in Utah. But I think it's Indiana, Washington, Memphis, and, and, you know, Indiana and Washington and the Memphis-New Orleans game is where all the ownership is going
0: predominantly. Do you think for, like, casual players, get off work, four o'clock, want to watch the game has anything to do with fading the early game, do you think? Or maybe they just don't have time. You know, people that are juggling a lot of things going on. They're, you're well, right.
1: it could. I mean, especially on FanDuel. Now, on DK, the slate starts at four, right. so we don't have to worry about this game. But on FanDuel, you get a few extra guys to consider. And I mean, I, I think you know, if you're multi-entering, I think you at least get exposure to some of the main guys like Lowry, Butler, Siaka. I'm not really worried about Goran Dragic or Kendrick Nunn or. Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson, uh, Norman Powell. I'm not really worried as much about those guys, but I think getting exposure to Jimmy, Siakam, and Lowry could be beneficial for the slate as as kind of a one-off on the early slate.
0: There's a lot of guys with injury designations you guys will see when you load your apps, but none of them seem to be serious other than the Denver debacle of 2020, which we don't know. What was the, the wordage that Mike Malone used? Probably questionable. Okay, Mike, what are you? are you? Are you Mike Shanahan? Man, he was like the worst with questionable running backs in early 2000s. Maybe it's a Mike thing. I don't know. But, yeah, so it looks pretty clean other than Denver. One thing of note, there are one, two, I believe three teams on a back-to-back, something we haven't dealt with since the restart. And I'm curious to see with just health reasons and or rest or precautions if maybe we'll see a scratch in the morning with a veteran player or something like that back-to-back splits are kind of I'm more partial to taking players on a second leg of a back-to-back like looking into them more than like home road splits in NBA I, I definitely know that that has a lot to do with it and obviously everybody's playing in the same venue right now but back-to-back splits are a thing. You know, See, some players just don't play as well historically on second legs of back-to-back. So that's just something noteworthy moving forward here.
1: Yes, sir. I'm with you 100%. All right,
0: we'll keep the train rolling here. We'll go on my list. I'm looking at the fan duel list right now. Denver OKC looks like yes. these, the next game uh, in order here. So obviously a lot of decisions will be dependent on what news we get and what slate you're playing but let's just say let's just say things are as they as they were and there's no Jamal Murray there's no Will Barton and there's no Gary Harris obviously Denver guys are priced up a little bit now like we talked about what, what were your thoughts from from what you saw? I don't know if you saw any of the game over the weekend or saw some highlights or did a little homework on the numbers, but what were just your thoughts? Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. was very popular. Went for, like, what, 16 fan duel points. Torrey Craig had a nice game. Monte Morris was everybody's, everybody's favorite option late there, and he was okay. So what do you think of this, this Denver team right now?
1: Well, I, I think what we need to do is – uh, just rid our minds of that blowout that they experienced on, on Saturday. Because, you know, and I'll use this as an example. Troy Brown just crushed our hearts and minds, you know, two games ago. And then I pulled up his ownership on FanDuel today, and he was 11% owned. And just the other day, he was more like 25% on. And I, I just thought that was incredibly too low. Today, I think, you know, we're going to have a similar situation where we had a huge letdown by Denver. And now you're going to get Michael Porter Jr. again. You're going to get Torrey Craig again. All these guys are going to be in the same situation playing a really good OKC team. I'm not saying OKC isn't great, but it's going to be the same exact situation. And I think we're going to get lower ownership on these guys when we should just go right back to the well. Nothing's really changed. And so, you know, you're, you're getting Jokic a little bit cheaper by, by about 100 bucks, but everybody else is priced up. Four to $500. Millsap got a price decrease by $200. I think he was 5K the other day on, on, on FanDuel. Uh, and then, you know, e- even the DK pricing, if you look at the DK pricing, uh, Michael Porter Jr. is still fairly cheap. He's $4,500. I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility of him putting up 35 fantasy points. If you get 35 fantasy points for 4500 and I'm not saying it's guaranteed, I'm saying it's absolutely possible, because we've seen him do it before. So th- these are, I think, some of the decisions we'll end up making, um, you know, as as the game or as the day progresses. I think Murray's going to be out. That's just my gut feeling based on them saying he's extremely questionable. Uh, so if that's the case, I'm going to go through the same process I always do. I'm going to fade Monty Morris completely. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to just load up on Michael Porter Jr., uh, and and maybe at this time I'm for sure gonna load up on some Jerry and Grant. I'm for sure loading up on Jerry and Grant on this slate.
0: I have I have Jeremy Grant pulled up right here. I was you took the words out of my mouth. I'm not saying I love Jeremy Grant. I think he's a very intriguing pivot off of Michael Porter Jr. This is a guy who's a straight hustle player. He played 26 minutes, scored 19 in a blowout. Points, in a blowout, 19's a lot for Jeremy Grant, but. He only had two boards and he had no garbage stats. And I call I call blocks and steals garbage stats, especially on Fanduel. That's a guy who kind of thrives off of having at least one of each. Probably, you know, if you're playing, if you're getting 26 minutes of Jeremy Grant, he's so active defensively in the paint, he just ends up with the ball in his hands one way or the other. I do like right. Jeremy Grant a lot. I want to ask you about Monte Morris. Not just not a fan of his upside kind of thing.
1: Well, it's it's not that I always feel like Monte Morris is always overowned. For what he's going to provide us. So, for instance, when I, when I when I look at Monte, is he going to put up thirty fantasy points from time to time? Absolutely. I mean, he's going to go through stretches, you know, or a game or two where he puts up thirty. But most of the time, he's not going to pass thirty fantasy points, right? And so, at this particular price, I mean, he's he's four K on Fanduel. I'm not saying it's a bad play. I'm not saying that. But I typically make it a, a ownership call if I'm looking at Monte and he's getting up in the 25 and 30% range, I'm just going to hit the X button because I can gain so much leverage by doing something different with a with another value play. If if I'm looking at the ownership and they're saying maybe, you know, 7 to 8%, okay. Then At, at that point, I'll play him at 15-20%. It, it's really just a leverage play on a player that doesn't have the ceiling like other guys. You know, because essentially Jeremy Grant and Monte Morris are pretty much the same player in terms of DFS but Jeremy Grant's not going to have any ownership and Monte is going to have a lot more. And, 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 if you look at that and then you say, well, why are you playing Michael Porter Jr.? Well, I feel like he has more upside than both of them. So that's why I'll continue to play him uh, to, to accept the, the risk of the upside.
0: That's a great analysis right there. Will. I got to hand it to you. That was very well said, very well said. So we'll see what the ownership projections are closer to lock tomorrow. Also in Roto Grinders premium feature right there. Big reason to to join, join the club. Uh, these, these ownership projections at RG are, are top notch. And if you're a tournament player, you need to have some kind of reference if you want to have some long-term uh, you know, financial success. So we'll just say that. Definitely, definitely good point on ownership there. Um, other side of the ball there, on the OKC side of the ball, give you a little sneak peek. I filled out my expert survey. And my hot take was – and I'm not saying it's going to happen because we know what hot takes are. Sometimes they're supposed to be crazier than others. It's realistic. I think CP3 could lead the slate in scoring at the point guard position. He is playing some elite basketball. Denver's missing some all their wing defenders. Uh, Monte Morris is not a great defender. Nothing against you, Monte Morris. It's just the way it is. So, And, and Chris Paul is playing some elite basketball – and he excelled in a, slow, a supposed slow uh, rugged matchup over the weekend maybe the layoff over the last couple of months did not benefit anyone more than a guy like chris paul with the time he had you know getting up there a lot of tread on the tires he's ran through millions of pick and rolls during his career he's taken a lot of chargers in his career you know he's a he's an old man in the nba now So I kind of like Chris Paul. There's going to be a lot of chalk in one of these next games coming up. We're going to talk about it point guard. So I think still Chris Paul might be a little bit under owned.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Chris Paul is a guy that I've actually played a fair amount this season because his price has stayed in this seven K to 7,500 range, most games. And the guy's been capable of putting up 40 plus on any given slate. And so I'm with you, man. I, I really like Chris Paul in, in this particular matchup. Somebody else that I really, really like here, uh, uh, from from OKC, and, and and this is this is going to sound crazy. Okay, this is this is going to sound crazy. I really, 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 really like Stephen Adams. I I really like Stephen Adams in this spot because I think what's going to happen is we're thinking about. Jokic and how he kind of stretches the floor and, and is kind of going to get out of the paint. But I really think this is an elite rebounding spot for Steven Adams. I think he could get 15 rebounds in this spot. And if he dials up the scoring, like, I mean, if Steven Adams could score 17, 18 points, he scored. So here, here's his stat line against Utah. Against Utah and Rudy Gobert, a guy that we consider to be a defensive presence that rebounds the basketball. 27 minutes, 16 points. 11 rebounds, two assists, two blocks, have four turnovers, right? Okay, that's against a guy in Gobert that we, we, we consider to be this this strong defensive presence in the running for rookie of the year, all-defensive team. If this is what Steven Adams is going to do because I feel like he's now healthy, Steven Adams is a different type of player now. So when I'm looking on DK and I'm looking at this pricing and I see Steven Adams at 5,400, that's atrocious. There's no way he should be under 6K – uh going going through the rest of the season. So I I really like Steven Adams here. 5,400. I think he's the value value center play of the day. Like I, I love Steven Adams here on, on draft games.
0: Yeah, you know, I think a Jokic and his superior offensive talents defensively, eh, doesn't really do it for me, man. Correct. Slow to get over on a lot of pick and rolls. There could be some miscommunications with all the young players he's gonna have to deal with playing inside of him for 30-plus minutes. So there's an opportunity for a couple easy buckets underneath. And, you know, you get a guy under 6K that usually hits value with rebounding and maybe a couple blocks, not known for his scoring. If he gets three easy layups, those six points are pretty big. You know, that's just some things you could think about. Any easy baskets with a guy at that price is is a huge deal. So I, I like that call, Will. I like that call a lot. Maybe like an early little conviction play from the chief over here. I'm feeling it. He's definitely
1: going to be on the value list. I can tell you that right now.
0: Okay. And, yeah, I see what people are saying with the Thunder. You have CP3, you have Schroeder, and you have SGA. And maybe people were waiting for one of the youngsters to kind of take the reins from Chris Paul as the primary ball handler. It just hasn't happened because Chris Paul has been so good both – physically and and vocally as a leader on that team kudos to chris paul getting totally casted off he went to okc who everybody knows is totally rebuilding and what a job billy donovan has done he's had a lot of doubters when he came from college okc has five billion draft picks coming up and chris paul not only chris paul but chris paul has a lot to do with this team is pretty competitive i mean they're in the bubble Before this season, you probably could have got insane odds on them, even just making the playoffs probably. so. Correct. But And you know what? SGA's time will come. He is a great player. He's so young yet. You know, Schroeder's still pretty young in the grand scheme of things. But Chris Paul's still the general. And we know how competitive he is. I know what you're saying. All oh, NBA players are competitive. But maybe just this guy, if there's something to play for, He's going for it, man. He, Chris Paul, I, I love Chris Paul tomorrow in a, in a little bit of a contrarian spot, I think. So, yes, enough, enough yes. about Chris Paul. I, I guess we can move on. We, we got a, a couple more games we want to cover there here. I is. know you were probably waiting to talk about the Indiana-Washington game, for one. So, I'll just throw it right over to you, Chief.
1: Yeah, I like this game a lot. And, and I think even though Washington is on a back-to-back, we already talked about the back-to-backs, The reason why I'm excited about this game is if Oladipo and Brogdon sit, this game should stay competitive. I mean, it it should keep the game a lot more tight. And so a guy like Miles Turner, who burned me on Saturday immensely, I'm just going right back to the well. Uh, I'm I'm just going to play him. Look, we've got T.J. Warren on DraftKings at 7,400. Listen, people are going to see that, and they're going to have sticker shock. And I don't think they're going to play him. But when there's no Oladipo and there's no Brogdon and there's no Sabonis and there's no Goga Batazde, no Jeremy Lamb, listen, folks, T.J. Warren at 7,400 in this particular matchup is absolutely worth it. He could put up another 50 fantasy points, not 50 real points. I think T.J. Warren is probably going to score, especially if Brogdon is out, he's probably going to score 35 real points, which is pretty much going to almost have you at value. I I think it's going to be a mistake if you look at look at TJ Warren at 7,400 on DraftKings and say mm, a little bit too expensive because that's not what we're used to. The situation is totally different. And hey, don't take my word for it. Just pull up Court IQ. And I've taken Jeremy Lamb, Oladipo, Brogdon, Sabonis, and Goga off of the court. The guy has a 31.1% usage rate and is averaging 1.21 fantasy points per minute. And that that is as of 144.8-minute sample size. T.J. Warren will be the truth on this slate if all of those guys are out. Uh, I'm I'm borderline lock button on FanDuel on T.J. Warren tomorrow. Especially if if Brogdon's out, the lock button will be on T.J. Warren.
0: Guaranteed. Hot takes, baby. Hot takes from the Chief. Starting that week off with some hot takes. I love it. I love it. Yeah, TJ Warren, obviously, with that insane usage in play, I just – I hate taking scoring-dependent guys, but the difference in usage here – and it's not like he's going up against 96 Bulls or he's playing the Wizards on a back-to-back – Thomas Bryant, wow. I mean, like, we can incorporate this conversation in quickly. Thomas Bryant, huge day today. Huge yes. day today. But guess who else had a huge day? Jared Allen. Because Thomas absolutely. Bryant has 117 defensive rating as an individual. So there is no rim protection. And the guy is good. He's a great young player. But who's going to – I mean, that's why I can get to my next point is Miles Turner. I'm, like, rambling here because I'm like, I can't wait to get to Miles Turner, a guy who I absolutely hated on Saturday. Didn't play him, uh, thankfully, um, but now I'm ready to go back to him. If, even, if, even if either Brogdon or Oladipo play, I will have a significant share of Miles Turner, especially on FanDuel because I'm looking at the center position. MB is going to carry ownership, and rightfully so. The Spurs and Jacob Poetel. I, I mean, seriously, if they don't feed him in the block again, although mentally he's probably a little pissed off after dropping a very efficient 40 points, not getting any, any help. I'm just, like, a disgruntled Sixers fan. You'll have to excuse me. Uh, but you got MB, You got Jokic at a, a very nice price at under 9K at top. And then Rudy Gobert always carries a little bit of ownership. And you know, Valanciunas against the Pelicans, okay. Uh, but then there, there was Steven Adams and Miles Turner side by side. I mean, I don't think you're going to see too much ownership on Miles Turner is what I'm saying, even with potential usage bumps.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm all I'm all over Miles Turner again today. I'm not. I never hit the lock button at center on FanDuel, like ever. No. I, that, that's just something I just don't do. Um, but I, I'm going to be well over the field. I'm going to try to really condense my center player pool down uh, to maybe three or four tomorrow. Us- usually I get about four or five. I think I'm going to try to trim one and get down to three or four tomorrow um, because I, I really, I really want to get this thing. I, I want to nail this thing and, and get it right. Uh, So, I mean, I like this game as a whole. Other guys I like on on Indiana before we move to to Washington, uh, Aaron Aaron Holiday is still underpriced on on FanDuel. He's still 4,500. In this matchup against Washington, that's too cheap. He's 5K on DraftKings. And here's something that's really good in terms of tournaments. Aaron Holiday and Monty Morris are going to be the same price on DraftKings tomorrow. So uh, both could end up being high-owned. I'm not saying they won't. But uh, whoever has the, the lower ownership, I'm more inclined to trust Aaron Holiday against Washington than I am, than I am to trust Monty against OKC. So I, I really like Aaron Holiday. And then something else I want to throw out there before we move, T.J. McConnell, I know he played limited minutes on uh, against Philly. He did play limited minutes. I'm not saying he's going to play 25. I was I was expecting him to play around 25, and he didn't get there. Uh, T.J. Warren played about 40 minutes, so maybe they just let him kind of run because he was hot. If we shave T.J. Warren's minutes down two or three minutes and those three or four, two to three to four minutes go to T.J. McConnell, I, I still like him at 4,500, just that's kind of a, a, a mix into this game that I don't think people are going to target.
0: Well, yeah, and if there's no, really no obvious value under 4K tomorrow, that isn't extremely scary, <laughs> either in minutes or usage or production. You're gonna have to take a chance on one of these four guys in the four K range on FanDuel for sure. I don't have a problem with McConnell, especially in that matchup. I don't have a problem with him at all. Uh, one thing I want to make a point of is on the I'll get the Wizards talk going here. Yeah, is yeah. people might actually be thinking oh, maybe I'm not gonna play Thomas Bryant tomorrow. I'm not chasing his sixty burger, so his ownership might be actually down a little more than maybe what kind of the public's perceiving because. Uh, and we talk about this in PGA all the time. Me and Tambo over there in PGA, it kind of works in reverse with some guys that you know people don't want to chase. That he's actually, you actually know, you're going to get a contrarian percentage of them. Thomas Bryant looks really good. He looked confident today. Yeah, Miles Turner is known for his shot blocking. It doesn't exactly mean he's a great defender, though. You know, a lot of those blocks came on uh, help defense and drive by things like that. Uh, I don't know his defensive rating off the top of my head, but I do know that Indy, especially without Sabonis, usually gets smashed on the glass. So I think there are multiple reasons to play or look into Thomas Bryant as well um, in GPPs, especially since he's 6,300 now. Big difference that FanDuel did a good job of getting his price up there to make things really interesting because he got Miles Turner at 65, Steven Adams at 64, and you got Thomas Bryant at 63. So, center, which is like you just discussed, which is the easiest way to differentiate your lineups on FanDuel there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. And right in the middle of all this, he got Valanchunas at 7K. I'm just going off a little bit on tangent, just staring at me, you know, against the Pelicans in a fast game, a guy who uh, a couple of days ago was in foul trouble, which looking back, I think probably, which is what led to all the Brandon Clark run. Um, and Clark's a great young player. I wish they just let him rip. And I know I don't have to twist your arm to hype up Brandon Clark, uh, but Valanchunas played a decent amount of minutes uh, today. Uh, but it's a back-to-back, and he's probably the oldest dude on the team, so uh, you can even dig a little. D- we'll get to that. But anyway, Thomas Bryant still in play despite the increase in price. I, I, you know Miles Turner, we, you know, we know his foul issues once in a while, too, so I think you can make a case for, for chasing Thomas Bryant. It, it won't be my first option, but I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to say I won't have none of them.
1: Yeah. And I think you make a really valid point. And I think one of the things that's going to work in our favor on this slate, and I've already mentioned it on a couple other players, but there's sticker shock involved today. Like we've come out the first two or three slates, Thomas Bryant, has been 4,800 for, you know, in, in the low, the, the, the lower range on FanDuel, he was like 5,200, 5,400, you know? And so now you're seeing a massive increase in his price. So, If you've been playing every day, you've seen Thomas Bryant at 4,800, and now he's, you know, 6,300, your mind is saying, that's ridiculous. I'm not paying 6,300 for Thomas Bryant. Well, you know, look at the matchup, look at what's going on, and I think we'll see that. And I think, you know, like you talked about, that will get some of the ownership down uh, on on a a lot of these players that have been priced up, you know, rather rapidly between Sunday and today. So I'm all aboard. I like it. I like Thomas Bryant. I think we go right back to the well with Troy Brown Jr. here again. Uh, I, I'm I'm just going to keep playing Troy Brown as long as he's in that low 5K, high 4K range or mid-4K range on FanDuel. I just don't have a reason to fade him. He seems stable. Uh, and the thing I like about Troy Brown is the, the stats, man. He, he's a stat sheet stuffer. I'm, he's not just going to score, score points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, a steal, 22 points, Against Brooklyn, obviously he put up a massive fifty-point score. But even if you go back to some of the games when Bradley Beal was playing, uh, most of his breakout games were when he had high rebound and high assist total. So Troy Brown, no Bradley Beal. Uh, I love him. I love Ish Smith again. It seems like Ish Smith is the guy. I'm hoping we don't, you know, hop, get rid of Napier and then tomorrow he goes off for of forty. But I really like Ish. I really like Ish Smith again. As long as his price is really cheap, I'm going to keep playing him as well.
0: Well, and there's the thing, you know, people think Indiana slow and locked down, but Brogdon is an elite on ball defender, as is Oladipo. So if you miss both of those guys, your guards really have a chance to make something happen. That didn't really show because Shake Milton, I don't even think, had a field goal. And Jason, and uh, Josh Richardson was a disaster as well. But, I mean, they were just kind of feeding envy at every play there. So I don't know if, if you can look at that game. Like, well, Indy was still pretty good against guards. So, I mean, I love McConnell, a former Sixer. He's not a – he's he's gritty, uh, but he's not just a great defender, you know, as well. But what were you going to add in there, Will? Sorry about that.
1: No, it's okay, man. What I was going to add is that Indiana's playing small ball now. Like, you have to get rid of the the old, you know, old way of thinking. This is their lineup when they're fully healthy. They're playing Brogdon. They're playing Oladipo. They're playing Aaron Holiday. They're playing TJ Warren. And they're playing Miles Turner. That's their starting five when healthy right now. They're playing small ball. And if those guys are out, then they'll play Holiday. They'll play Oladipo. They'll probably play Justin Holiday. They'll play Warren, and they'll play um, uh, Miles Turner. Th- this is what they're doing now. Nate McMillan has totally changed the way he's playing with Sabonis out. So they're they're no longer the same, you know, big team. They're going to be running up and down the court, a lot of speed, a lot of shots. So keep that in mind when you're you know going through your process.
0: Do you know who is playing backup center for? I don't even know. He played 19 minutes against Joel Embiid on Saturday. I don't know if they were all backup center, but Jagar Sampson was getting time trying to guard Embiid. If you need any more reason to play some Thomas Bryan in there, there might be one of them. A guy that just really uh, was a head scratcher today was uh, Hachimura. Um, You know, a couple games ago, he had a 30% usage rate. I read a bunch of articles, you know, Obviously, the Wizards want to get their young guys going. I thought he would be one of the focal points today. Obviously, Thomas Bryant was on fire, and he took a lot of shots. But Hachimura, just from the eye test today, he just looked uninvolved. He, you know, wasn't running pick and rolls. He wasn't calling for the ball in the post. So, I, I'm i a little confused on on that after he had a, a pretty good game. What was it? Uh, what's today? Sunday. On Friday. Um, yeah. Twenty points and like six or seven rebounds or something like that, but he was like eight percent today in a pretty good matchup against Brooklyn. Laid an egg, so if you're looking for any kind of GPP play that I don't think anybody will be on tomorrow in a game where you can accumulate some points inside against the against the Pacers. Hat Shamir you know, going, you know, good, like you said, going back to the well on some of these plays. Maybe it's his turn tomorrow. Maybe the coach is like, you know what? We're going to get your time to shine today. We're not moving anywhere out of the bubble. We're not going to the playoffs kind of thing. But, yeah, the Napier thing, like you said, that's like my worst nightmare is him going for 40 because we know he has it in him. When he gets hot, he has no yellow light or red light. It's all green for Napier. But, you know, played 25 minutes again today, didn't shoot well from the floor. The coach is giving Ish more time. And maybe he's just all out of sync. Well, I don't know.
1: Maybe so, but at at this point, and here here's another thing too, guys. At at, at some point, you say you either got to hop off the train or ride it all the way until they help you make your money back, and uh, that's kind of where I am with Napier. I'm not going all in, but I'm going to keep exposure to Shabazz Napier because as his, as his, as he keeps having terrible games, his ownership is going to keep decreasing, and at and now I don't have to play him at twenty percent. I can play him at ten percent and be above the field. And if he has that forty-point game, and the field is at three percent, well, I'm still I've still got enough leverage. So when you, when you're multi-entering and a guy's kind of burns you a little bit, and I know we're kind of talking a lot more strategy today, which I think is good. A guy's burned you like that, then as their ownership goes down, you can still be above the field because the fielder is reducing their shares. You know, so me playing them at ten percent is a lot better than me playing them at twenty-five percent when I started on Friday. So. Just, just a little nugget there.
0: <laughs> no, for sure. And, you know, you're looking, a casual player or someone that's not that interested in the game first look. Uh, there's much more than lock. You know, if someone likes, I'm going to lock in Troy Brown. That's all I care about in that game. Uh, uh, there's a lot going on in that game, especially if you want some pretty good leverage or there's some good stands you could take. But just for time purposes, let's move on. But that Indy Washington game could be a huge a dictator of the slate depending on what scenario plays out depending on who's active so kind of two of those four o'clock games between denver's news and we'll see what happens with the pacers maybe you can find some news on twitter in the morning and make some best guesses or something like that but moving on uh maybe the fastest game literally of the slate will be memphis in new orleans very high uh, vegas implied total here two teams that like to go up and down two very young teams and both teams are playing really hard uh new orleans has been on the worst half of the stick lately a couple been involved in a blowout uh you know ugly ugly against the Clippers granted the Clippers were unconscious from three this weekend but that was never a game that that was hard so I am interested to see how this young New Orleans team who you're only going to get spurts of Zion again is going to respond yeah man the,
1: the thing I my favorite player from and I'm going to start out with New Orleans because I want to talk about this pricing on DraftKings, which I think is really it's it's almost priced you out of considering this game because I feel like Indiana and Washington provides better value. Uh, you know, when you're looking at this game, you see Drew Holiday at 8,700. Do I think Drew Holiday can get there? Absolutely. It's it's Memphis versus New Orleans, but at that at that price, I don't think he's necessary. You got Lonzo Ball at 8K. Do I think he can get there? Absolutely. But Lonzo's minutes have been in the 20s. Uh, Even in a Utah game, that was tight. He played 27 minutes, played 24 minutes against the Clippers. I'm not paying 8K for Lonzo Ball, even in this spot. You know, I go over to Brandon Ingram, who's 8,100. He's probably the one guy I trust in terms of minute stability, and is probably the one guy that could have a ceiling game against his team but and, and then you've got old man Favors, Derek Favors, who's young, but just plays like an old man. He's 5,300. I don't, I don't hate that price. But none of these Pelicans feel necessary outside of J.J. Reddick. Why is J.J. Reddick 3,700? Th- this doesn't make any sense to me on DK. This is the one guy that I feel like they've mispriced. So if I'm getting exposure from this game, I'm probably playing three Memphis guys With J.J. Reddick, he's just too cheap for the game environment where everyone else seems to be priced out.
0: I agree. I agree. And I love that for tournaments. I love Lonzo Ball. Love's a strong word, but I am in favor of playing a lot of him tomorrow. And I hope that price – sticker shock, as you call it, I hope that drives some people off him. Hope they look at that box score. Obviously, the Clippers game was a complete disaster. The minutes for every starter there were not good. And he was in early foul trouble against Utah. Was at the Utah game, I think, played like 24 minutes. So I'm willing to kind of give him a pass there. And there's a little bit of unknown with that recency bias there of his poor performance, not seeing a lot of minutes. This game should be competitive. As bad as New Orleans is and as promising as, New Orleans will be in a year or two and, and they've shown flashes of their ceiling. This is going to be a, this is Alonzo ball track me. This is up and down. This is his game running free on the breaks, making those two on one decisions and getting some easy baskets. And a couple of years ago, he was kind of the laughing stock of the league and his dad had a lot to do with it or whatever, but his dad kind of called off the dogs with the big baller brand and everything. But I, I couldn't, I was trying to think of, like, a top five list of most improved NBA players, and he almost absolutely has to be on that list. That, that trade suddenly kind of looks like a win for New Orleans in terms of building for the future as long as they're careful with uh, the future contracts coming up because Lonzo can shoot the ball now. It doesn't look great. But, man, that thing's going in. Before COVID struck, he was playing really, really, really good basketball, and he was shooting the ball from three. But I've. I don't think I've. I, ben Simmons. Can you watch some film? Can you talk to his trainer? Can you do something, Ben Simmons? Because Lonzo Ball kind of looked unfixable at one point, and I, I'm ready for him to to kind of show his ceiling tomorrow. I I like Lonzo, but you make a good point. The prices are up because of the Vegas total is high, and like you said, Drew Holiday's up there. But he's a guy who could go – he's shown 60-point upside. You know, you're not going to get a lot of Zion. Ingram had such a bad game. We can't sleep on Ingram, another guy that was playing very, very good basketball. So, interesting game. But on the flip side there, the Grizzlies. We talked about on our first podcast that this is kind of like a second season. And, boy, what have you seen from Ja so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, here's what I've seen from Ja. Really bad first halves. Really electric second halves, uh, and and I'm talking about if you watch the game and if you watch your, your your fantasy points, Ja's just kind of coasted the first half. See, you know, I'm not saying he's not involved because that's not true, but it seems like it's taking him a little bit to get going. But once he gets going, I mean, the guy scoring at will, assisting at will, John ja Moran at 7,300. Uh, I I just think Memphis is completely underpriced for this game today. And listen, uh, th- this isn't going to surprise anyone. I'm going right back to the well on Brandon Clark. Uh, Brandon Clark is 4,200. He played 25 minutes on Sunday against the Spurs, shot four for nine, uh, had three fouls and steal three rebounds. Didn't really get the rebound numbers, you know, that, that maybe we would have liked for him to get, you know, maybe five or six rebounds maybe, and maybe about 10 to 12 points. If he gets another four points, he's at 18 fantasy points. Another five rebounds. Now he's uh, now he's right at, right in line with where he should be for forty two hundred. Another assist, a block, and then before you know, it, he's right at twenty five fantasy points. So Brandon Clark in this environment, forty two hundred going right back to the well. Same thing for Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, listen, first of all, this game almost went into overtime today. Memphis and San Antonio. And Mr. Brooks fouled Demar Derozan with the oh second left. My God. Just awful. So, so I mean, this they could, This game Jackson could have easily put up forty in this spot. Ja could have put up over fifty. That would have been overtime scores, but still. So, I I, I like this game. I just think the Memphis guys are underpriced. Ja, um, Ja, Triple J, Clark. Th- those are going to be my guys going right back to the well.
0: I'm kind of just thinking uh, thinking out loud here, and I actually want to look up yesterday's box score. It just doesn't – as much as I generally like Valanchunas, I, I don't see how this game flow or game script will fit his style of play whatsoever. You mentioned Derek Favors. He's seeing low to mid-20s minutes. You're not going to get a lot of Zion. So they're playing pretty small, athletic, small ball, you know, athleticism at the five. Jackson Hayes getting some run. I think Valanciunas could kind of get run out of the building here, especially in a back-to-back. I, I know he's a pro athlete. He's probably in okay shape. But I, if, I, if I'm a coach, I'm going to be the armchair coach for a minute. If I'm the coach here, I'd much rather want Brandon Clark or, or Jaron Jackson at that five in this matchup, which is going to be a track meet, going up and down, you know, running the brakes because you're going to have a lot of break opportunities. And let's be real, Val doesn't run breaks or anything like that. So I think, in in my opinion, in terms of of fit and matchup, I'd love to see Clark or JJJ running some five there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. And they may essentially have to do that in spurts. So I, I like that call.
0: And you know what? A guy who obviously made a huge error at the end of the game today, you know, in that last timeout, they said, if it's the last shot, stay on your feet. Something you've been been doing since middle school. And he bought the DeRozan pump fake. And you just hate to see the game <laughs> end on free throws. You know, everybody on Twitter is asking for the Elam rule to be implemented to the NBA. And I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. But ending the game on, on foul shots, I hate mean, Hey, He deserved it. It was a good ball fake by DeRozan. Horrible defense from the young kid Brooks. But you talk about a GPP play who's always around 5K. A guy who likes to shoot a lot whether he's on or off he has no conscience I think he had 14 shots at half and I and Jaron Jackson and Marant Morant combined for like 11 or something like that yeah he's so gonna jack he's gonna jack man and this pace up and down I, I'm not going crazy on Dylan Brooks but I'll have some shares because at that price there's not a lot of value uh, he's kind of a salary saver I mean he can get hot and get some open looks for sure I mean listen New Orleans is a mess on defense we all know that so there's going to be open looks in this game. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, we got two more games here to cover. Got about 10 minutes left on the pod. We got the Spurs and Philly. And uh, I'll send it over to you first, man. That I Obviously, uh, I'm pro Sixers here. But I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty level-headed fan. I am not biased. And listen, everybody said J.J. Redick was the problem last year defensively. I don't think so because these wing scores keep lighting up Philly because Brett Brown keeps switching on every damn ball screen. It doesn't matter if we bring in length and athleticism and Josh Richardson, you got more shake mill in a bay. It doesn't matter. We'll just let TJ Warren, et cetera. You know, these six, seven, six, eight wings. I don't know how they find so much success against Philly, but they're getting a Spurs team uh, coming off back to back, dealing with some injuries of their own. Um, not sure who's gonna play there. I guess I'd be shocked if like Bellinelli played and uh, um, uh, Patty Mill. Did Patty Mills suit up today? I'm, I'm I have so much. He going did. On. Patty
1: did yeah. play today. Patty. Patty played,
0: play. but you know he's a he's a rest candidate with whatever's going on with him back to back. Who knows? But that backcourt, San Antonio. I'll tell you what, Derek White and Murray looked so good, and uh, Popovich kind of staggers them I, I kind of noticed they'll start together and then he'll kind of keep one on one off to kind of get that usage and, and have that primary score and they close together and I wasn't really sure how that fit with both of them and DeRozan on the court just kind of interesting to watch and maybe moving forward but uh, give it to me Well, what, what's your take on that one? Well same thing on the Spurs so
1: you know you're going to see a little bit of sticker shock on the Spurs uh, Jakob Podol is at 5k I still think that's okay for him because the guy can get you he can go out there and get you 30 fantasy points. And so in a a matchup with Embiid where he may have to be on the floor a little bit more, uh, I I don't hate Jakob Podol at at 5,100. I think he's okay. Uh, I think the sticker shop is going to come in when you see Rudy Gay at 5,800. I just don't think I can stomach playing Rudy Gay at 5,800. He is playing. You know, he he played 26 minutes and then 29 minutes against Memphis. But, you know, 5,800 for Rudy Gay, I don't think that's necessary. If he was in that mid-4K range, obviously I would have continued to get myself exposure to him. DeMar DeRozan at 8,200. I actually think that's still a fair price for him. Uh, you know, a guy that still is going to have the highest usage on the team, highest fantasy points per minute on the team. 8,200, I don't hate it. I'm going right back to the well on uh, Derek White at 5,700. If Derek White is going to keep playing around 35 minutes, then he should be a, about a $6,200, $6,300 player, in my opinion, based on, you know, uh, all, all of the metrics, based on his fantasy points per minute, based on the usage. And so, you know, we've got him at 5,700 on DK. Uh, and then on FanDuel, he is uh, 5,900, which is a lot closer to where I think he should be. So I, I still like him here, um, play, playing those minutes. And, and that's kind of going to be where where I'm going to stake my flag. Lonnie Walker at 48 on FanDuel and 44. Mm. It, 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 he, he, he's almost priced out, almost priced out. Close. So I think the one the one guy from the Spurs, that hasn't really been priced up yet. And I know we got to move, and, and which they priced him up on DK. Kelvin Johnson at 4100 Now we can't play him. When he was 3 I played him. But at that price, I, I don't think we can play him. So that's where I'm at on the Spurs.
0: If you want a real stretch of a narrative, Lonnie Walker went to high school about 20 minutes from where I live, like an hour outside of Philly. But they're playing in Orlando. Just thought I'd throw that out there. But, yeah, his price is up. That didn't do enough for me today. I'm not really sure how he fit with, with – um, with Murray and White getting so much action, and DeRozan pretty much you know handling the ball every in the fourth quarter. One thing I will say is it's possible that DeRozan is that wing scorer I'm talking about to torch Philly tomorrow. Last five <laughs> games against Philly, he scored at least 20 points. Last three games were all with the Spurs, and he's went for at least 38 DraftKings points in each of those games. So, uh, he's familiar with the personnel. Whether or not I'm not I'm not sure if Embiid was on or off in any of those games. I'm sure he was on for at least one or two of them, but. You know, DeRozan looked good today, probably has a little bit more confidence, you know, hit the game winner, technically, even though it was a foul shot. So there's an asterisk in my book there. But DeRozan, you know, you made pretty much every every valid point there for sure. Uh, on the flip side of the ball, you know, Embiid, there are a lot of options at center. And I, I'm just tossing ideas back in my head on what I think his ownership is going to be but I really can't figure it out right now because there's a lot of reasons to play six or seven guys. So obviously he's the focal point of the Sixers offense. And I think he could definitely go to work on portal down low. There's no answer uh, for Embiid down there. Uh, And the Sixers kind of, you know, they want to rebound. That was a horrible loss uh, against, against Indy. However, I I think the guards are decent GPP plays. Uh, Richardson looked, Uh, uninvolved shake Milton played really bad Uh, and if I'm if I'm thinking correctly they're still pretty affordable uh, to maybe target like six times kind of upside on a good night I'm I would definitely not play them together I'm saying if you're looking for a last guy in or you want to differentiate yourself maybe a guard uh you know you'll probably get either one of them under six or seven percent tomorrow I'm thinking depending on what you're playing so that's pretty much all I got from that game uh I want to move on here Will last game of the slate yeah let's move it all right, man. So last game, 9 o'clock, L.A. Lakers at Utah. Lakers coming off a loss uh, to Toronto there. Anthony Davis scored 14 real points. I don't know when the last time he scored less than 20 was, but I'm, I'm probably it was probably quite some time. So I know you want to talk about AD a little bit here, so I'll swing it over to you.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, AD is going to be a, a pretty much my lock button of the day. We're getting AD under 10K across the board on all sites. That is ridiculous to me. Uh, you know, a guy that's averaging 50 draft games points. And, look, he had a, he had a rough game, uh, but I, I don't care. AD under 10. He's 9,600 on FanDuel. Uh, lock button city. So so AD is my lock of the day. I don't care if it's against Utah. I think you play him. Uh, I, I'm expecting LeBron to not have as much ownership either. So, you know, when I, when I'm getting two guys of this caliber – and I'm going to consider them to be under-owned, I I don't mind playing them. So uh, I'll see if I can find a way to get some LeBron shares over the field, which I think I'll be able to do that fairly easily. But AD is my lock of the day across all sites. Uh, Lock button extraordinaire.
0: Power forward has been tough the whole weekend, just with who's been playing and who's been hurt. And you're looking at it on FanDuel, probably as we're talking right now. And you go down from AD, and there are significant questions or red flags with Pretty much any of the next couple of guys, obviously, um, you know, Bam is, is a pretty high floor, tough mashup with Toronto. I don't think he'll light the world on fire, but, you know, I think he got a four times floor there, which – isn't enough probably but uh he's there and then you go down to Hachimira and then Jaron Jackson's up a little bit to 64 uh you know Zion you know probably not in your player pool unless you're playing in some crazy huge field and you just want to try to get lucky but you know then you go down to Horford and Ibaka so really just by uh, by you know el- process of elimination with risk Anthony Davis under 10k makes a hell of a lot of sense you you're absolutely right about that. If you go down a little lower, uh, his backup, Kyle Kuzma's been playing some pretty good ball. Um, you know, he's been probable with this ankle injury since the restart, but it hasn't really seemed to affect him. He's playing minutes. Uh, I think he's played at least 25 minutes, I think, in, in each game so far. And with, you know, with the injuries, and actually he played 31 and 28, double-digit points in both of them, at least four rebounds in both of them. Um, so, I kind of like dipping into Kyle Kuzma's salary range a little bit there. You know, I'm looking across FanDuel at all of the guys in the mid-fours. I, I think he's probably one of my favorites despite the tough matchup against Toronto.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like it, man. I, I think I think he's going to be a fine play. I, th- I think he's going to be a fine play. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and hop on over to Utah. Yep. Because, uh, you know, they, they've got some guys – Utah experienced a, a, a huge blowout here, but I'm looking at this price on Mike Conley at 5,500 on DK. I'm going right back to the well. We've got Jordan Clarkson at 4,900. I don't care about that last game. I'm going right back to the well. These are still these are still guard focal points of this offense. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is 7K, uh, and I don't play Donovan Mitchell a whole lot, uh, but I still I, I think at these prices Utah is still a bit underpriced. And, and so I'm, I'm willing to go back to the well. on there are three main guards, Conley, Clarkson, Mitchell. Those are guys I'm definitely willing to invest in on this.
0: I agree. I agree. I'm not saying I'd play more than one of them on a team unless, you know, you're, you're, you're stacking here, which would be pretty contrarian. But I have no problem at those price points and that upside. And the Lakers haven't done anything to really wow me defensively yet. And Donovan Mitchell, under 7K on FanDuel, He's played really well in both games against the Lakers. 6,800. Come on now. Coming off a dud, uh, you know, depending on what you're playing, you might get a, a nice little leverage play there with with Drew against New Orleans on FanDuel under 8K and then DeRozan up there. and uh, you know, Van Fleet's at 66. And I, I think the, uh, the biggest takeaway from that game is that he's clearly healthy. He played almost 40 minutes at yes. 6,600. I'm a big Fred Van Fleet guy regardless, but – that, that was really good to see. So you kind of got Donovan sandwiched in between that list of, of guards right there. And you're right. I think one of those three will crush. You just have to kind of dig in do a little more homework and, um, and maybe last man in kind of thing. If you're playing multi-entry, I, I'm with you there. Will. I'm with you. So yeah, for sure. For sure. Should be, should be a fun day tomorrow. I know we got to get out of here soon, but you asked me about uh, our food, our food play of the day. So you want to tell me about a sandwich you had? <laughs>
1: Oh man, listen, I, I went to Jersey Mike's uh today and got that uh that chicken I call it, it's a chicken Philly, but they call it the Big Kahuna. Uh and I mean it's got you know, it's got the the Philly chicken, uh uh plenty of American cheese. They they use white American cheese, jalapenos and peppers and mushrooms. Oh my goodness. Taste buds were on fire in a good way. So that was that was my gpp play in terms of subs. My favorite sub place though um is actually a spot I think everybody I'm not sure if it's everywhere, but Firehouse Subs. That's kind of my favorite sub place. Firehouse Subs uh love that place man. So uh I'll kick it over to you man. What's all right your, all right And first of
0: place? all, if you're not having a cheesesteak and it doesn't have jalapenos, you're doing it wrong man. Like yeah that's a good call in the jalapenos. I'm with you on that. Um, so you know I'm from PA. I go down to Philly once in a while. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk cheesesteaks quick. A lot of good spots down there. People are very passionate and argumentative over who has the best cheesesteak in Philly. Absolutely. I, I will say I like Jim's a lot. I will not go to Pastor Gino's because I'm trying to pretend I'm not a total tourist. But I like Jim's. I like Oregon Steaks. Shout out to Oregon Steaks, man. That that down there in South Philly, that, that's a good spot there. Um, but yeah, jalapenos are a must for me. I get the wit, you know, you got to get the whiz on there, but also one of the great spots, man. And if anybody's listening, you're in the Northeast. If you go to Atlantic city, like I do a couple of, a couple of times a year or maybe more or less, but I do a really big competitive fantasy baseball league. My uncle founded in 1991 So uh, they've been running strong. I've been in about eight or nine years. Cool weekend to get away. Now they got sports books there and stuff like that. But White House Subs in Atlantic City, I don't know if you ever heard of that. But if you're ever up there, man, White House Subs is worth taking the trip to Atlantic City. Gotcha. And listen, we're going to keep this train rolling. I I don't know what the GPP
1: uh, food take of of the the next pod is going to be. But uh, I'm sure we'll come up with something. But I I will be going up there. If I go to Philly, man, I'm I'm for sure going to go visit Jim's. Yep. and uh, and check them out I'm, I'm, and and tell them Carlucci sent me.
0: <laughs> they might not know me by name yet, but uh, one day they will. <laughs> one day they will. Hey, Will, go check Will out there, Chief Justice 06 on Twitter. I know you got a busy week ahead, NBA, MLB, and all this stuff. Anything else before we get out of here, Will? I'm good, man. Enjoy yourself, guys. We'll meet you at the top. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the NBA Morning Grind, of course, this is a Roto Grinders program here. Hey, got any input, got any questions? Send us a DM, you know, we'll talk We'll talk some inbox stuff, you know, we'll, any any strategy. Maybe we'll throw some strategy in there. Um, you know, I'm not here to say this player is going to score more than that player, but I'd like to have some constructive conversations. So feel free to send, send either one of us a DM, tweet at us. I'm on Twitter, at the J Carlucci. Anyway, so we're about to head out of here. Definitely go get a cheesesteak tomorrow, everyone. So for Will Priester, I'm Justin Carlucci. Good luck and have a good Monday.